Hello, Praise Chapel Paramount. Pastor Omar Lopez here. This past Sunday, we started our Erase series. Jesus wants to erase things out of our lives. They talked about rejection. Jesus understood what rejection was when he was rejected by the people, even after Palm Sunday. All of us are going to experience some people pain, and we're going to experience rejection. But know this, it's not how people view us, it's how God views us. And he wants to erase the rejection completely out of your life. Because I believe today that God is the God that erases our past, he erases our sins, he erases our brokenness, he erases our condemnation, he erases our failures, and he erases our rejection. And without a doubt, I believe today that God is going to erase this virus, he's going to erase the anxiety, he's going to erase the depression, he's going to erase the despair, he's going to erase all of the worry, and so I'm believing God to erase those things. But the great thing is this, not only does God erase things, but he restores things. And so the Bible says he restores our relationship with him. He restores our, our spirit and, and restores our lives uh, from brokenness. He restores uh, us uh, that we, we have been addicted, we have been broken, and God restores us uh, and God heals us. Uh, he changes our lives. He fills our lives with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he put us out of darkness uh, into his marvelous light. And so that's what God does. Not only does he erase, but he restores so I'm going to read you a verse of scripture that I think is really powerful. And I'm going to read it, read it out of the, uh, uh, the, the Passion Translation. And it says it with a lot of passion here out of Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 and 15. I'm going to read this verse of scripture. And the way it says it here in this translation, I think you can really resonate with it. It says, this realm of death describes our former state. In other words, that's where we were. For we were held in sin's grasp, the Bible says. But now we've been resurrected out of the realm of death, never to return. I'm not going back to that life. For we are forever alive and forgiven of all our sins. Thank God we're forgiven. He canceled out every legal violation we had on our record. And the old arrest warrant, some of, those, some of us know what that's about, that stood to indict us. He erased it all, our sins, our stained soul, he deleted it, and they cannot be retrieved. Thank God it can't be held against us anymore. Everything we once were in Adam had been placed onto his cross and now permanently there at the public display of cancellation. So the cross reminds us that God has canceled and erased our sin and canceled our debt. Then Jesus made a public spectacle, I love this part, of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and the power to accuse us. So he, he erases that, he dismantles the power of the enemy who tries to condemn us. And it says, and by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner, they were his. Oh man, what a powerful verse of scripture. I'm encouraged by that because God has given us authority over the enemy and all the time the enemy tries to accuse us of things, tries to bring up our past, tries to bring up our, 
our, our faults and our mistakes. It's been canceled. We have authority in the name of Jesus because Jesus paid the debt on the cross. So I want to pray for you today as I get into the word of God. I want to just pray for the Holy Spirit to anoint every word that I, that I minister today. So Father, we pray today for those that are listening, God. I pray today, open their ears, open the ears of their heart today to receive the word of God. Remove any distractions right now. I know we could be at home and in different places, but God, remove those distractions so that we can give you our 100% undivided attention and that the word of God would come alive even as they're watching right now. And God, that it would come alive in their hearts and their soul. And God, it would bring transformation. God, you would challenge us in areas that need changing. And I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit as I declare your word, that the people would hear the voice behind the voice in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I know today's Palm Sunday, and I'm not going to necessarily preach about Palm Sunday, but I do want to talk about it in this respect. There's something about Palm Sunday that happened afterwards that I think all of us are going to be able to relate to. One of the things that happened on Palm Sunday, let me just say the night before Palm Sunday, you can read this in John chapter 12. I don't have time to go through that whole chapter, but if you want to later on read that, the Bible says that Jesus comes to the home of Mary and Martha. And Lazarus is there. And you remember, Lazarus had been dead four days and he's resurrected now. So there's a crowd of people that have come to that house to see Lazarus because Lazarus was once dead, but now he's alive. And so everybody, the crowd is there. They're there to see Lazarus. They're there to see Jesus. And they're all around and they're interested. Even some of the critics, some of the people that, that didn't like Jesus, some of the religious people that despised Jesus were there. And they could not deny the fact that there he was, Lazarus was alive. He was eating. He was there with them. And so the Bible said there was a celebratory uh, time. People were celebrating that. They were excited. And in fact, the scripture said that Mary knelt down and she poured oil on Jesus or this perfume, I should say. And it was this expensive fragrance. And people watched as Mary cried before God and poured this fragrance over him. Uh, and, and really in, in, a, in a spirit of worship for what God had done for her brother. And so there was a real worship time, a real sacred time. And so the next morning, what we would call Sunday morning, Palm Sunday, but to the disciples, it was not a Palm Sunday. To them, it was just a regular Sunday. And as they're walking out of the city of Bethany, the Bible says that, that Jesus said, bring, a, bring one of those donkeys or a small coat that I can sit on him. And the scripture says that as he gets on this donkey, that they begin to uh, come over right over Mount, uh, the Mount of Olives. And as they're ascending down, the scripture says that people begin to worship Jesus. There was a crowd of people and they begin to uh, lay down their coats and they begin to lay down their, their palms and they begin to worship him. And the Bible specifically says this, you've read this before, their garments, the palms, they're celebrating Jesus coming uh, on a donkey. It's a glorious day. And the Bible says this in John chapter 12, Verse 13, they took palms and branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. So they're celebrating him as the king and they're worshiping him and celebrating the presence of Jesus. Now, here's the thing I want you to understand. 
we realize today that no matter how good things could be, many times all good things come to an end and they never last really, do they? They can change quickly as we know it. And these same people that were worshiping Jesus later on, five days later, are the very ones that are watching him being crucified. And just in a matter of days, it went from glory to grief. It went from splendor to sorrow. It went from praise to punishment. And the wind swept in and the tides changed. And all of a sudden, just like you know, temperatures can change from a minute to uh, from a moment. All of a sudden it could be hot and then next thing you know, it's cold. And Jesus is now from being praised is now rejected. And so I want to talk about that this morning. I want to talk about rejection and how to erase rejection in your life. Because I want you to know this, Jesus knows what it is to be rejected. He knows what it is to be praised. He knows what it is to be honored. But I can tell you, if there's anything deep that Jesus knows, he knows what it is to be rejected. And he wants to erase rejection in your life. And this is the series that I, we're starting today. God wants to erase the rejection in your life this morning. I want to share a story. It's kind of a funny story. And you probably have experienced this in your own life. How many of you have ever had a bad day? Raise your hand. I see those hands. Yes. And you've had those bad days where you like say, man, I, I just had one of those days. Well, there was a, a young lady by the name of Clara No was her name. And she was a young mother from Oklahoma. And she wrote this. She said, it was one of the worst days of my life. And it feels that way when life is not going good. And this was back before cell phones, okay? This was way back in the 90s. The washing machine was broken down. The phone wouldn't stop ringing. She said, my head ached, and the mailman brought the bill that, that I had no money to pay. And almost at the breaking point, I lifted my one-year-old son and put him into the high chair. She said, leaning against the tray, she just began to cry. So you can imagine her one-year-old son is sitting on the, on the high chair, and she's on the tray crying. And she said, without a word, my son took his pacifier out of his mouth and stuck it in mine. So that is one of those days that you know, man, not only are you feeling bad, but your own one-year-old took the pacifier out of his mouth and put it in yours. And that's how rejection feels at times. There's sometimes we just say, man, uh, I still feel rejected and ejected, so to speak, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And all of us, at some point of another or another have experienced rejection. Let's just be honest. Uh, even right now, we kind of have a sense of rejection. Uh, of course, we're at the safe at home uh, mandate right now, and nobody can come over your house. You can't go over anybody else's house. <clears throat> you need to stay six feet away from people. And I know it's for a good cause. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying do that. And, and maintain that distance. But it feels like rejection. If you go to the market, people are avoiding you. They're, not, they're waiting for you to get out of the aisle so that you wouldn't be in the aisle. And now people are wearing masks, and I'm one of them. You're wearing one of those masks. You can't even smile at each other. And it feels in our community right now, in our city, in our country, all over the world, it feels like a sense of rejection. And I know it's for our own good, but there is this sense, many of us can feel that, like you're Family can't come over, you can't go over your friend's house, you can't hang out, and people are avoiding each other, and there can even be a sense of rejection right now. And, but let me just say this, rejection appears in many different forms, not just like that. 
Rejection comes in different forms. And, and I want to just tell you, we live in a society and we live in, 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 uh, in a country where rejection is all around us. And it's part of our culture, believe it or not. People choose favorites. You've been around an atmosphere where people choose favorites. They usually reject seconds. Even at, at the Olympics, uh, most of you that have, uh, you know, I know they postponed the Olympics, but one of the things when you watch the Olympics, uh, you're cheering for that, that guy to get first place. You're not saying, go for the silver. You're not saying, go for the bronze. You're saying, go for the gold. Because you're not excited about second. You're not excited about third. Uh, those kind of guys, even though they won something, they feel kind of rejected because they didn't win the gold. And we kind of feel that way now in life. Uh, some of you have felt rejection from your peers and your friends. Maybe you felt rejection from your parents. Uh, maybe you felt rejection from people around you. Uh, wherever you're at, it's what I call professional rejection. Uh, maybe the company that you're working for is downsizing and you're no longer needed. That's called professional rejection because of things that are happening even right now, the, the economic impact and the cause by this whole virus. Uh, you didn't get that promotion. You didn't get that raise. You didn't get that job. The company that you work for for so many years no longer needs you. You can sense that spirit of rejection. What about physical rejection? You may even feel like when you look in the mirror, and I'm just being honest, you, you say, man, I'm not good looking enough. You may say that. And, and a lot of times it starts within our family. Let's be honest. Our siblings, our family can be brutal. Am I right? I mean, they'll talk about your nose. They'll talk about your, uh, you know, your head's too big. Your ears are not right. That you're too tall. You're, you're, you're too short. You're skinny. You're fat. You know, all these things. And, and, and we can feel that sense of the rejection. And not some of you, uh, you know, uh, you're watching right now and you're a little jealous because I'm really good looking. No, I'm just kidding. But all of us this morning, we know what rejection is about. But on a serious note, some of us this morning have experienced parental rejection. And what I mean by that is you felt rejection from your own kids. I mean, even right now, some of you that are watching your kids and, and some of you that have teenagers, you're saying, my goodness, man, uh, uh, getting around this teenager, he wants to be in his room by himself. And, and here we are all, all, all in quarantine. And so you can feel a sense of rejection there, some of us. Or maybe you have a sense of rejection if you have a toddler and, and you're kind of questioning your parenting skills because your toddler, it seems out of control. So all of us this morning may be experiencing some of that rejection right now. And what about recreational rejection? What about those times where you were able to go out and even when you were young and you were able to go out and, and play basketball, whatever it was. And, and I've said this before, they're picking teams and, and you're the last guy that gets picked. And it's because you're the only guy that's left. And even the guy looks at you and he says, uh, are you sure your sister doesn't want to play? And so you're kind of feeling, man, I, I feel rejection. And so all of us this morning have felt that. What about relational rejection? Maybe you had a friend or maybe you had a relationship going and it seems like one failed relationship after another. And all of us have a sense and we understand what rejection is all about. And let me just tell you what rejection does. It creates and emotional insecurity. And people that are rejected or feel reject, rejection in their life are some of the most insecure people in life. In fact, I found this, and I'm, I'm sharing this truth with you. There's a lot of people that work hard for approval. 
And their only reason why they work so hard to succeed and be at the top is because they want people's approval because they're covering up an insecurity in their life. They're, these people are probably the most rejected people in their life because they're always trying to succeed and prove to others and they overcompensate because of their insecurity and really it, it's a source of pain. They, they feel like their success is like a passport to be approved and to be accepted. And so they're constantly looking for that acceptance. And can I just tell you something? God knows what it is to be rejected. In fact, the Bible said that God became flesh and dwelt among us. It was Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that as much as people love Jesus, there is also a lot of rejection. And here's what the scripture says. I'm going to read this to you. In John chapter 1, verse 10, it says, he was in the world, talking about Jesus, and the world was created through him, yet the, word, the world did not, know, did not know him. He came to his own, the Bible says, and his own people did not receive him. Can you imagine being the creator of the world? The, the very... The very God that created you and the Bible says he walked among them, he came among them and, and they didn't even recognize him and they didn't even receive him. And so I want to say to you and, and in confidence in the word of God, I want you to know that rejection is opposite of God's nature. God is not out to reject us. God is out to accept us. He's out to restore us. And I want to just say this to you. There are ways that we can overcome rejection. And because right now, if we're not careful, we can begin to go over in our mind as we're kind of secluded. We, we begin to think through a lot of things in our life. We begin to kind of do a self-evaluation. And if we're not careful, some of that old rejection comes out and begins to get a hold of us. There, I started looking up rejection and I came across an article and it said, make rejection your friend. I said, well... That's kind of hard to do. It's kind of making bitterness your buddy and sadness your sister, right? It's all a dysfunctional family. But how do you make rejection your friend? I don't know if you make it your friend, but I believe we can overcome rejection. And so if you're taking notes this morning, I want to encourage you, embrace the reality. Listen, if, in order to overcome rejection, you have to embrace the reality of people pain. And what do I mean by that? I want to be very honest with you. People are going to let us down. And the faster you know that, and the quicker you understand that, the faster you can overcome rejection in your life. Humans cannot satisfy, cannot satisfy you fully. See, we're looking for love, and we think people around us are going to satisfy and fulfill our love. But let me just tell you something. God created a hole in us, and the only one that can fill that vacuum is him. His love is the only one that can fill that vacuum. A human being cannot love you fully like God can't. And this is why we're constantly dissatisfied because we're looking to be fulfilled by somebody else and a human being cannot fulfill the love that only God can fulfill in your life. And let me add this to the whole equation. I think one of the reasons why people can hurt us and why people let us down, why we deal with people pain is we put too much value on their opinion. In other words, we live by the opinion of other people and their words traumatized our life because we're constantly trying to please what other people are pleased what other people think about us when in actuality God says the exact opposite let me read you a scripture out of Isaiah chapter 51 verse 12 God says I'm the one who comforts you thank God 
So why are you afraid of mere human beings who wither like grass and disappear? So God says, chill out. You guys are trying to look for approval from mere human beings and you're going to mess up your life. He says, I'm the one. He said, basically, I'm the one who comforts you. I'm the one that fulfills your life. He said, man, human beings are like grass, right? Grass is green one day and brown in a week, right? And it's thrown away. And so the Bible says that when people die, their opinion should die too. Don't live by the opinions of other people. And this is why people pain should not surprise us. So many of us this morning, we live our lives by people approval. And of course, we have the Instagram and the social media. We're constantly looking for the approval of other people. And let me just say this to you. There are people in the world and you've met them. They're, they're angry people. They're hurt people. Uh, they're everywhere. And believe it or not, uh, we, can, we sense their rejection. People can be pretty evil at times. Look at what the scripture says in Jeremiah 17, 9. The human heart is most deceitful and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? And really, the Bible says that human beings, our own nature, we're not that good. We need the gospel. We need God. So people have people pain, uh, being rejected. Uh, believe it or not, what happens is uh, when we feel that, we, we have this sense that we need to defend ourselves. People who have been rejected always want to, to defend themselves. And what, what do we do? We want to reject people back. And I've had that. I've had, people, I've had people reject me, so to speak, or give me words of rejection. You ever been there with somebody kind of just putting you down or kind of uh, undermining, saying some things to you and, and kind of give you these words of rejection? How do you handle that? I, 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 I have felt this rejection. I'll just be honest with you at times. Uh, I, I've even preached in, in our church and somebody came up to me and said, well, you know, you're okay, but you ought to hear this guy on TV or you ought to hear this guy on the radio. And, and so many times you're, you're kind of thinking, well, I, I guess I'm not as good as these guys. And, and, and I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. What I'm saying is you can't live there. You can't live in that rejection. So here's what you got to do when you feel rejected, folks. And I, I want to give you some practical things. If there's anything that you can learn here, uh, just write this down. You need to develop a plan. And I believe the Holy Spirit will give us this when people reject us, we need to develop a plan. How am I going to respond to that? What am I going to do when I feel this? It's like an evacuation plan. Have you ever gone to a hotel? You've gone to a high-rise building, and, and you'll see the evacuation map right there. I'll tell you where the exit is or where the, where the stairway is in case there's an emergency. In case there's a crisis, you have to have an evacuation plan. And I want to say to you, when you get rejected... When somebody gives you words of rejection, you got to have an evacuation plan. You got to say, man, what am I going to do? How am I going to respond? Am I going to get defensive? Am I going to get angry? Am I going to respond in rejection and return? Am I, am I going to try to hurt someone? And here's what I do. Here's part of my plan this morning. And so maybe you can kind of write this down and it'll help you. Number one, who, who is the person that's rejecting you? Is it a relationship that you value? Is it a relationship that's important to your life? If that relationship is important to you, then don't blow it off. Find a place where you can come back and say, hey, listen, I know you said that, but I want to know what you meant by that because I was a little hurt by what you said. It's okay to be honest. If you value that relationship, 
if that person is that important in your life, then you want to kind of ask that person, hey, what did you mean by that? What did you say? What did you mean when you said this? Because I, I, I want to make sure I'm understanding you because I was a little hurt. And, and that's great because you value the relationship. Now, if you have a relationship where there's no value in it, and what do I mean by that? Maybe it's a stranger. Maybe it's somebody that you know is always negative and somebody that's just come out of nowhere. That's not a relationship that you have great value in. So therefore, if some stranger comes up to you and rejects you, you know what I mean? You, you just need to realize that you have nothing invested in that relationship and you need to be able to say, well, you know, God bless you and move on. Otherwise, if you let that sink into your life, if we're not careful, we begin to want to defend ourselves. We begin to want to get back at that person. And, and I'm telling you, it is not worth it. And I've learned this over the years, so you can write this down. When you're right, you don't need to defend yourself. And when you're wrong, you don't have a defense. So let me just say that. When you're right, you don't need to defend yourself. And when you're wrong, you don't have a defense. So basically what I'm saying to you today is don't, you can't please everybody. I've learned that. There's not everybody you're going to be able to please. So don't, don't try to please everybody. Otherwise, this morning, that rejection is going to get deep inside your heart. Can I just tell you, be honest with you? We can't, we can't please. You can't even please your own kids. I remember my kids were, were young. I have three boys. And, you know, you'd leave church and, and they go, where did we go eat? And what, you can't believe everybody. One, one, one wants to go to In-N-Out Burger. The other guy wants to go to Chipotle. You know, another guy wants to go to Burger King and go this. And I would just settle the whole thing. We're going to Costco and we're going to get pizza, right? That's how we settled it. But because you just can't please everybody. And can I tell you, even God can't even please everybody. Some of you right now said, man, I wish it wasn't going to rain today. I wish it was more sunny. You know, we, it's one guy's praying for rain, another guy's praying for, for more sun. God can't please everybody. But I tell you this, I'm not going to live for people. I'm going to live to please God. And this is what Paul the Apostle said in Galatians chapter 1, verse number 10. He said, obviously, he said, I'm not trying to be a people pleaser. I like the way Paul said, no, I'm trying to please God. If I were still trying to please people, I would not be Christ's servant. So God is saying, or Paul is saying this about the, the kingdom of God. He's saying, I'm not being a people pleaser. I'm being a God pleaser. So it starts number one. If you're going to overcome rejection, is you got to realize that people pain is real. And you got to be, don't be surprised by it. But I'll tell you what, if you focus on God, he'll help you overcome this rejection. Number two, what helps us overcome rejection is the way God views us. God views you differently than the way people view you. I don't live my life the way people view me. All I care is how God sees me. Focus on how God sees you. That's the great thing about the word of God. It's how God sees you. I like it in 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the way God tells Samuel, and, and, and I'll tell you the story in just a moment, but let me read you this verse of scripture. It said, the Lord doesn't make decisions the way people do. Thank God. People judge by the outward, by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at a person's heart and his thoughts and his intention. So God goes right down to the heart of the person. He doesn't care about the outside. He cares about the heart. And we know the story. The scripture said that Samuel came to anoint one of the sons of Jesse's to be the king. And the Bible said that his father, that David's father, only brought the other boys in. And, of course, we know that 
Samuel the prophet thought it was one of those boys. He was looking at the outward and God says, no, no, I've got somebody else. And of course, we know little David came in and he was the one that was anointed king because God doesn't look at the outside. He looks at the heart. He looks at the inside and that's how God sees you. He looks at your heart. Look at another verse of scripture. I love, again, it's how God sees us that's going to really help us overcome rejection. If you're always going by people's opinion and how people see you, then you're always going to live in rejection. But if you start looking at how does God see me, that's what makes, dif- that's what makes a difference. Romans 8.15 says, so you should not be like cowering, fearful slaves. It says, it says, you should behave instead like God's very own children. That, 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 that song we said, I'm no longer, I don't, you know, no longer a, a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. He says, I'm adopted into his family, calling him father, dear father. Another translation says, Abba father. Now, if you're a Christian and you're watching right now, your relationship with God is what matters. You're no longer an orphan. And if you've ever been, if you've ever met someone that's been adopted, if you've ever been around a family that adopts someone, man, you see the beauty of love. I've been around a family that adopted someone and, or they were ready to adopt and they just couldn't wait till that person came home. And uh, it was a child, they were going to adopt this child, they were going to adopt this little baby, and they were so excited, everything was getting, they had prepared the house, the, the atmosphere, and when they finally got that baby, they, you could see the love for that baby coming from those parents. They wasn't even their own biological child, but they loved that baby. Can I tell you something? God loves to perceive that. God sees you that way. He's adopted you into his family, the Bible says. And he loves you, and there's no one that could love you more than God can. And the great thing is he loves us so much that he doesn't hold our past against us. So no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what acts you've committed, we serve a God of grace and a God that's willing to forgive us. He doesn't go back in our past and say, I remember you did this and I remember you did that. Let me read you a story that I thought was kind of funny here. And it's about a pastor's son and his mom, pastor's son and his mom had been shopping at a mall. And so the little boy was acting very badly. And uh, he was running around everywhere, wanting this, wanting that. And so as this mom and this little boy were driving home, the little boy can sense the displeasure in his mom. And uh, he asked this question. He goes, when we ask God to forgive us, he told his mom, when we are bad, does he? And his mom replied, of course he does. The boy continued, when he forgives us, he buries our sins in the deepest ocean, doesn't he, mom? And the mom said, replied, yes, of course, that's what the Bible says. And so the little boy was quiet for a long time. And he said, well, I've asked God to forgive me today. But I bet when we get home, you're going to go fishing, aren't you? And that's how we think God is, that God's going out fishing our past. And no, God's love is unconditional. What I mean by that, he doesn't bring back the past. God understands who we are. He knows every detail about our lives. That's how important you are to God. In fact, we're going into this, uh, we're in the census right now, right? Uh, They're taking a census in the United States every 10 years. 
And some of you that have filled out those, that census, you know, you, you have to put your race, you have to put your age, and how many people live there, and all of these different things. You give them the kind of your, your household income, all these different things of who you are. They want to know uh, who, who people are in different communities around the country. And, of course, we know that there, uh, there are things that have to do with government funding, representation in the government that represents the city. Uh, it depends how many people are there, uh, how many people are in the House of Representatives. All these different things uh, are in there. But they're very detailed because people are important. Can I tell you something today? You're more important to God. God knows every detail about your life. You may think I'm just one person in the crowd and I'm here to tell you you're not. That God knows who you are and you stand out to him. So if you ever felt like, man, I'm, I feel so rejected, I'm just one person in the crowd, you're not. I, I, I'm reminded of the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible said there was a crowd of people and she had a sickness and she needed a miracle from God. The Bible says she just said in her, in her heart, if I just touch the hem of his garment, the scripture says, that I'll be healed. And of course, we know the story. She was healed and Jesus turned around and said, somebody touched me. And of course, everybody said, well, the whole crowd is healed. No, no. Somebody touched me in a different way. Somebody touched me in faith. Somebody touched me to reach out to me. And the scripture said that woman was there and Jesus pointed her out and, and commended her for her faith. And, and called her a daughter. Why? Because God knows his children and he knows every detail about your life. So the way God views you today is what's going to help you overcome rejection. You got to look at how does God see me? In fact, I'm going to give you a few scriptures that you need to kind of read. Maybe, maybe you ought to make, put them on your refrigerator or, or write them down somewhere, wherever you go. And, and I'm going to give you a few scriptures of how God views you, how God sees you. So write these down. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 24. Uh, Time, uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Psalm 27, verse 10. Ephesians 3, verse 12. And Romans chapter 8, verse 1 tells us how God views us. And if you didn't get all of that, you can go back afterwards and, and you'll be able to look it up again here on, on Facebook or on YouTube and you'll be able to hear them all. But I, I wanted to encourage you today, the way God sees you, what makes the difference. And the last thing I want to say to you in just a few more minutes here is when you feel rejected, to overcome rejection, what happens is when you feel rejection, believe it or not, God can release some compassion in your life. Now, you may say, how is that possible? Because I have found this. Those that have been rejected the most have the most compassion for others that have been reject rejected in their life. So believe it or not, the rejection that has come in your life can become a power spot to minister to others. He knows. You, you know how that other person feels. You know what that other person is going through. And that point of rejection can actually birth compassion for other people. It can actually cause you to minister to people. Maybe you know someone right now uh, that, that needs a phone call, that needs a, 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 a FaceTime, an email, a text, that you can reach out because you know what it feels like to be rejected. You know what it feels like uh, uh, to feel like nobody wants you, and yet you know now that God loves you. I'm going to read you this verse of Scripture in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. We ask him to make you wise with spiritual wisdom, it says, 
then the way, uh, the way you live will always honor and please the Lord and you will continually do good, kind things for others. All the while you learn to know God better and better. And so there's something about when you've been accepted and the way God views you, God takes that rejection and puts compassion for others. We need to take our compassion for others. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Uh, and again, I've been talking about rejection. But for those of you maybe listening for the first time, or maybe you've tuned in, or maybe you've, you've been going to church for a while, I'll tell you what, God loves you. Don't reject his love. And, and the, great, the, the greatest uh, travesty that we can commit is that we reject the love of God. And here's what the Bible says. I want to read you this last verse of scripture here in Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill you. They only kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell. Sometimes, I know this is difficult to swallow, but sometimes what happens is we focus so much on our own rejection that we forget that we're rejecting God. Have, don't be one of those persons that rejects God, rejects the love of God. The Bible says there's going to come a day where we stand before God and those that have rejected his love, those that have rejected him are forever going to be separated from him, the Bible said, in all eternity. So don't just focus on your rejection. Have you rejected God's love? Have you rejected his spirit? And today, that's what we need to come to is, you know what? I, I don't need to just focus so much on my rejection. I need to stop rejecting God's love and accept his love. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.